This is Dr. Chip. That's it, Prince Alex. Welcome to the Blue Collar Dynasty Podcast. We're busting our backs, getting our jeans dirty, and playing next man up dynasty football. We're giving you an in the trenches dynasty talk every week. Please reach out to us on Instagram at Blue Collar Dynasty, where you can get sneak previews of the things to come, and on Twitter at Born Football. That's B O R N E Football. We'd love to hear from you. All right, y'all. This week we're talking going for gold or folding starts of the week and a 2024 rookie preview. All right, let's get to it. All right, so with going for gold, we're just thinking, asking the questions based on your situation, right? So in Dynasty, if you are 0 and 6, 1 and 5, 2 and 4, 3 and 3, 4 and 2, 4, 5 and 1, or 6 and 0, Based on your situation, what should you do? Should you go for the gold or should you fold? All right. Currently, I'm at one in five. Garbage. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm still we'll amazed. I'm still amazed you got that one win, to be honest with you. Hey, the stars aligned and, <laughs> you know, things, 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 needed, things were done the way they needed to be done. That's what happened. So, but um, quick update you know, my, both of my main quarterbacks are out. So Aaron Rodgers and Anthony Richardson. Injured and for the season. For the season, yep. Rodgers <laughs> talking about he might come back, though. If he does, then, you know, maybe he might see me a couple points there. Yeah. So Damian Harris, my uh, running, one of my, my main running back, he's out, right? And then Mike, uh, was it Mike Williams, right? My main receiver, he's out. Yep. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my season in a nutshell. Everyone's out. So... <laughs> <laughs> But Jeff but, uh, Wilson's but, coming back, so that's good. Yes, yes. And if he comes back and if he balls out, he's going to trade it immediately so I can save his <laughs> life. <laughs> like, go go do something. He, go go get yourself a chip, you know? <laughs> exactly. It'll be great. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, so, yeah. So, we're going to talk about the first situation, 0-6. Oh 0-6, and six. Oh and six, you know, I think this is pretty straightforward. Maybe it's time to call it a season. Um, if you haven't won one now, you're probably not going to win one later. So yeah. this is a time where uh, players who are really performing well, if you have like one or two players, you know, in the top 30, especially with quarterbacks, not with quarterbacks, especially with um, like um, skill positions, I guess receiver and uh, running back. If you have players like that, put them on the trade block. It, unless yep. they're like super young and you're going to build with them. That's what I, I think that would be the caveat. I don't know if you agree with me on that. But if yeah, you're build, yeah, um, I I definitely agree. Yeah, this is a full fold and burn the cards type of scenario. You're and by burn the cards, I mean you you're gonna try to burn your team to the ground if you're zero and six, unless you're like Doctor Chib and in a in a bit of a rebuild. So there might be some players that you're you're putting a protection on, um, but everybody else should be basically you know on the trade block and and up for discussion but yeah in specifically anybody over 30 they should they should be basically moving on you know you even if they're not worth that much um like you know chib we were talking about um your tight ends you don't yep. typically get a lot for tight ends if you have travis kelsey now that's a different story you could change change someone's season if you have Travis Kelsey and you traded him away. 
you could actually make a contending team a champion um, through doing something like that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like the tight ends, even though they're, even though they um, like Zach Ertz, he he's got value for someone in the league, but you're not going to get a whole lot for him. So you know you might get a third round pick, and that that might be enough. Um, you might you might only get a fourth. Yep. I I don't know, um, or two fourths. You know, that's just worth exploring. It's worth getting something for him because he's not going to do anything for you this year, and your fourth round pick might. That's um, true. The the other the other block of players I would consider trading away are, is anybody over twenty seven, um, and this kind of depends on what your window is that you're looking at for winning. If you're looking at next year, you think you're going to be in punching distance just with a few elite pieces um, from the rookie, um, the rookie world, or you know maybe you maybe make some trades and 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 pull something out. But if you're really thinking that you're able to compete next year, okay, maybe you're not trading every everyone over 27, but you should evaluate them and see if it like, for example, Tyree kill would be one. He's, he's absolutely electric right now. And if you're losing, if you're own six with Tyree kill, God, um, your team or <laughs> team around him must be worse than chips. <laughs> that's true <laughs> he's gonna give you 30 a game <laughs> yeah which is almost more than you scored last week <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's yeah. funny that's true that's sad <laughs> it is sad <laughs> that's really sad I'm gonna become a meme <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Oh, it's a historically bad chip, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I still look. I want to put some context to this. I had a good team. It got gutted, and no one stopped it before. I it was a team I adopted. It mm-hmm. got gutted, and it's like this is one of the worst things that ever happened. The commission did not stop the gut the, the gutting <laughs> that. But now hey. you know. But now, go ahead. You know that's the that's the storyline you put out in the world, but I I don't necessarily fully agree, especially as as the commissioner. I don't know that I was the commissioner during the the trading, but even if I was, what in defense of the commissioner, I would say that that I I think in some ways they were looking to burn the the team to the ground and Bro, replace Derek, them with rookies. Yeah. What's Derek that? Henry got picked up off Derek Henry got picked up off waivers. No, no, no. He was traded away. For how much? <laughs> All right. Should I look at the history? Look at it. It maybe made me feel better. Made me feel like okay, maybe I wasn't duped. You think your team had Derek Henry back then? We did, yeah. I did. So Derrick Henry was traded away for Damien Harris, Tony Pollard, and a first. So that would have been really, really good back then. So I didn't have what where did Tony Pollard go from my team? I never had him. Tony Pollard got traded to my team. Oh God. 
So I can tell you how I got what I got for Tony Pollard. So I must have gotten him on a downswing because I got him for a second round pick. So so obviously I got a, a really good value on Tony Pollard. Um, but this was this was back in let's see, the trade was made in 2021 and in July. So going into the 2021 season, and that was before Tony Pollard had that was when Tony Pollard was coming off of being the 41st best running back in the league. So he was he was not he was on the fantasy radar, but he didn't necessarily have his breakout season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in 2021, he was still only the running back 28, but that was partially because of some injuries. But so he obviously it looks like a landslide trade for me, but he was the 40 again, he was only the 41st. He was he was kind of an Alexander like if you look at Alexander Madison last year, he was kind of in that role where he looked he was a clear backup, but on a team that you'd love the backup. Gotcha. Okay, well, I need to analyze those other trades and then see I was really duped. I just my heart it just hurts. <laughs> I promise you these these types of things can happen naturally despite uh you know despite some some good um seemingly hopefully good trades. I will say he definitely loaded whoever was there previously definitely loaded you up on a lot of picks last year and I think that was that was major for you. Um you definitely got an influx of talent this most recent year with a draft class of Zach Charbonnet, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, Anthony Richardson, uh, Deuce Vaughn, who we still haven't seen much out of, um, Brandon Aubrey, who you might've gotten off of waivers probably actually. Um, I did. Hendon Hooker, Dalton Kincaid and Jalen Hyatt. So, um, Unfortunately, of that draft class, the only one that's really became a must start is, um, of course, Anthony Richardson, who's now out for the season. Um, hopefully, Zach Charmaine and Zach Jackson Smith and Jigba really step into a better role. I'm, I'm really surprised by Jalen Hyatt. We haven't seen all that much out of him, and I don't know what the heck is uh, standing in his way, other than maybe DJ. I'm not surprised about that. <laughs> well, Aaron okay. Waller, Aaron Waller could barely get the ball. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at him on your taxi squad. And I'm like, there's no way that he's like a taxi squad guy at this point. He's got to be giving you at least a decent amount of points. And I look at the projections and it's 1.6 points he's projected for. I'm like, oh my God, that's. <laughs> so I'm not, so I'm not crazy, huh? That's less than hey, Calvin Austin. My time is coming. <laughs> all all the players I drafted are just seeds. Seeds. That's it. Yeah. 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 Remember back in the day, and, and this is still kind of true, but you know, we used to wait three years for a wide receiver to be good. And mm, that's true. That's and honestly, we used to wait five years before that. And now it's gotten to if they don't show up in year one, we're really wondering if they have a a future <laughs> and that's not that's not really fair 
Um, you know, so I I think I think year two, we definitely do need to take a good look at them. Um, but yeah, there's some statistics out there that they they do like to track. Um, I think we talked about them earlier on in the year um, regarding like yards per route run, um, you know, and some of those other advanced metrics that if you're under a certain threshold as a wide receiver, you've got a problem and you're probably not going to have a good career. So yeah, um, I would even say year three might be when we really need to be thinking about them because for me, that's, I feel like your body is still developing. Like you, the old that you come out of um, college, typically be 21, 22, right? That body is still developing. You still got a young person's body, so it's still developing. So once you get to 20, 25, 26, it's a different type of body now, right? And you got, mm-hmm. and you have three years of NFL training, right? To really, fall. Yeah. and then you got comfortable with the playbook. Typically, hoping not too much turnover. So, right, right. So, so, and I do think this leads us into our last point about own six teams. Basically, if you, if you are in that own six spot, some players that would be good targets for you are these underperforming youths. And specifically, I mean, basically everybody on your roster, um, (laughs) I would be saying is a, a, a decent value pickup like think about what we expected out of Dalton Kincaid this season you know and you could have asked anybody in Buffalo whether or not Dalton Kincaid would have been like the best tight end um, the best rookie tight end this year and just from a volume perspective we would have said no because we already had a top option at tight end that we already just signed so naturally, whatever that tight end pie is in terms of passing or, uh, you know, receiving volume, that's going to be cut in half, even if it's the same as Sam Laporta's entire, you know, receiving volume or Travis Kelsey's entire receiving volume. It's going to be cut in half because there's two of them out there. So and that's not necessarily going away next year or the year after that for Dalton Kidd. But again, he's a he's a good investment long term and so that's that's why i i do think he's a good player that you can trade for because i think people are if they were expecting something great out of him this year um they might be disappointed right now same with jsn and same with zach charmonet where we know seattle takes a long time to put their rookies into roles that they can contribute and so if we're seeing them on the field, they're participating, but they're just not having those larger roles that we'd want out of them. And I think next year we see that. I agree. Let's talk about one and five. And this is kind of going to be a quicker, a quicker discussion here at this point, one and five and oh, and six are in the same book in my mind. Um, It's another fold of cards. You might not be burning the cards. You might not be burning your, your roster to the ground, but definitely you need to look at your roster to see, okay, what, what do I need to do to put myself in the best position possible to succeed next year or succeed in 
in building a solid base. Like Chib, you've got you've got a good base in terms of quarterbacks. You've got some tight ends that'll be in the mix for the next few years. Um, you've got some talent on the edges, um, the rookies that we talked about, but you really only have your base number of selections for the rookie draft and that that's where you could probably gain um gain capital a little bit and so like you've said you're you're looking to trade away older assets to get um assets that can help you next year and so one in five oh and six you should be doing that same thing um looking at two and four i i put this as you're going to have one more shot at basically proving to yourself that you can't compete this year. Right. And then you're going to have to, you're going to have to make that choice. If you, if you end up being three and four, okay, what is the rest of your league look like? Is that, can you make the playoffs? You know? And if the answer is no, then you should be looking at what you have to do to get better next year. And you might be just one step away from making the playoffs next year. And that that's a good thing. So again, getting rid of those older players, being mindful of the trade deadline and boom performances where you can sell out. And that brings us to three and three where you're kind of at that. Am I selling out or am I, selling out are you are you selling out to win or are you selling out to um to win next year basically and because you don't want to be stuck in the middle and that's the that's the issue if you're if you're struggling to be on the outskirts of the playoffs that's fine but you're gonna have to do something to make yourself more competitive in the playoffs and maybe that's just playing matchups getting players on your team that have good matchups for the playoffs. So you make the playoffs with a below par roster. And then all of a sudden you explode onto the scene and take your league by storm. Um, But, but really you got to position yourself, get that talent, get that depth. Depth is key for these, um, for the rest of the season, really, as you can already see, we, you know, we all have injuries on our teams, but it's how you, how you, uh, do that next man up mentality. You know, I I had Devon A chain storm onto the scene and then be out for five games. So how did I make up for him? Well, right behind him, I had Jonathan Taylor coming back. I have James Cook. I have Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Justice Hill, Damian Pierce, Kyron Williams, who just went out, Jordan. Heck, Jordan Mason might become relevant on my team. You know, I've got this slew of running back after running back that has an opportunity. So with with so many shots in the cannon or <laughs> shots in the barrel or whatever, you know, there's a good shot that I'm going to have someone to play, someone to start. You just sound greedy, honestly. <laughs> honestly, I am. You know, I, I mean, if there's... It, I am at the point in my in my uh, roster that if if I can't start someone like if 
if they're not startable, they're probably not on my team. Because, like, even you look at my tight ends, and though I wouldn't choose to start them, like Durham, Smythe, and Kate Outen, they're both startable. Um, you know, they're low-level startables. And if you look at them, 27th in the league so far, 36th in the league, Durham, Smythe, you know, not great. Janu Smith I picked up because he's, he's currently top 12, which is ridiculous. You know, there's... Yeah, I I don't have much room outside of my taxi squad for players that can't potentially get into my starting roster. And that's, obviously, that's a good thing, you know, because basically top to bottom, my, my squad is um, pretty good. I am lacking that, like, elite weapon, and that's kind of where my team falls short, is I, I am missing that what Jonathan Taylor used to be. And hopefully I get that in the end of the season. Hopefully Chris Olave steps up, Jordan Addison, say flowers, you know, those guys. But yeah. So, so I, I wasn't trying to, <laughs> I wasn't trying to brag here with, with, you know, this is just one league. I have other leagues that I struggle with more. I, I have an Owen six team currently. Um, but it's all a matter of where you are in your in your um, team's life cycle. So, if you're three and three, four and two, five and one, you need to look at your depth and whether you really have the depth to make a run. And if you if the answer is no, then you need to start trading with those zero and six, one and five, two and four teams to get those older players that can help you can help put you over the edge um, to, to be victor- victorious, you know? Um, and, and maybe some of that is you, you could always also trade for some of the underperforming youth that, you know, might come on late in the season. So some of those running backs like Zach Charbonnet, that someone might be disappointed with what they've got now, but you know, really could help you down the stretch. Same thing with Devon A chain. Um, though I, I'm guessing you're probably not gonna get Devon A chain. All right. Any any notes from you, Chib? No, I don't have any notes um in regards to three and three and four and twos, but now the five and ones and six and O's. I think it's a uh, time to go for gold. Gotta go for it. Absolutely. Yeah, you gotta make the last push, reinforce your bench depth. Um if there is a team with a player like Tyreek Hill and they're 0-6 or 1-5, my word, you better be trying to trade for them. Um, which just made me look at the other 1-5 team in our league to see if they had any older players that they really wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't be wanting to hold on to. Um, and really, Najee Harris looks great in my mind. <laughs> um, somebody that He's probably, I mean, he's only 25 and he's not looking good, but you know, he's got a role and it might, it might improve. Um, you know, he's also got Darren Waller too. You know, Michael Thomas is on his team. That might be a good trade for candidate for a lot of players or a lot of teams. 
Um, so, yeah, look for ways to improve your lineup based on matchups in the coming weeks in the playoffs. We talked about that. Um, trade away draft capital to get these players. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say trade away your your productive young players because that's going to hurt your longevity. But it's you know if you have Devon Achan and you want to trade him away to go get I don't know somebody like uh, you know Jonathan Taylor who hasn't really stepped up yet. Um, you know a James Cook, a uh, Tony Pollard, someone like that. Um, you know maybe that's a good. Maybe that's a good bet. I I might I probably wouldn't make that bet because Devon A. Chan is coming back in just a few weeks and he should be helping you for your playoff push. So um worth keeping around, I think. All right. Moving on. Let's talk week seven starts of the week. And before we get to that, every week we we review how you know we hold ourselves accountable. We talk about how well we did last week. And honestly, we, you know, we got to drag ourselves through the mud. Um, but for the most part, I just want to focus on dragging Dr. Chib through the mud. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, for everyone listening, just let me know if I'm crazy or not. Just was last week weird? It is feel like something is weird. Something is in the air and is not it's not good. Did right, you so probably... have you have you heard the stat? Actually, I shouldn't say the stat because it, it's I don't have the number, but last week was actually the the week out of I think the last decade that we have uh what was it? Never in the last decade has the NFL scoring whiffed so much on or underperformed so much on the expected point totals in the games. So the lowest, the lowest uh, amount of points compared with expected point totals. That makes sense from Vegas. Okay. Talk about it. Did did I just break your, (laughs) but no, so basically, basically we, we saw really low scoring compared with what we expected last week. That's that's the sum of what I was trying to say. So so no, you're not totally crazy though though I would say you probably are crazy, but um <laughs> that has more to do with your opinions um maybe on your your quarterback from last week. But um yeah, no more than that. It's tough. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's tough. But anyway, last week was weird. No, no, no. I, it's just it was just weird. I don't care. Everyone just back me up on that. It was weird. <laughs> so should we go through your guys? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um. So at quarterback, you had Geno Smith. He was bad. Running back, Tyler Algier. Look, he threw a great. pick. I was so pissed at one of his picks. One, I, one, I don't blame him for. But one, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god like what are we looking at he was trying to force it to dk i was like bro <laughs> anyway sorry go ahead um michael thomas was okay uh hunter henry was bad 
defense. Seattle was okay. Jake Moody, not good, or aka not great. Um, he did miss the game winning field goal. Oh. So and I picked him for that reason. Oh, yeah, he's gonna get a game winning field. I was like, I called it. Oh, he's gonna get this field. <laughs> I mean, I missed. Oh. oh man, yeah, that was painful. So you ended up with a grand total of negative six points. Jesus. I'm I'm not sure that that's the uh lowest, that, might, the that might be the lowest. It's my, not. It's not. But I, I thought the lowest was like a negative seven. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's That's close. Right. It's close though. Probably like you did that too. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure both of us have had had some pretty bad weeks here. So, like <laughs> but so I did I, caveat. I did say last week I don't like any of my picks. You did say except, that. I Gino. Yeah, you finally played by the rules, and uh, look at what happened. <laughs> these rules suck <laughs> um yeah i i can't say that i did much better but i definitely beat you um quarterback matthew stafford so he was the one that you were like ah that's kind of cheating he was not great um so jokes on me i guess i don't know um but he wasn't zach, bad <laughs> he was not bad zach charbonnet was bad though um yeah. That was that was an, an unfortunate call by me. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe we'd get some Zach Charbonnet released on, on this game, and I saw him out there once or twice, uh, but he didn't do much. So unfortunate. Uh why does he run the ball enough, which is weird. What's that? It it really didn't run the ball like that, which is weird to me. Yeah, yeah. Even with I, I think you guys had the lead for a bit too. Yep. No, we never had the lead. No, you didn't. Okay. You can see how, how well I was uh, watching the game. Even though it was right next to me, you know, the chicken wings were pretty good. <laughs> so it's paying a little bit more oh, yeah, attention. You are in to Seattle. Me. That's why you you did that. Well, That's I, wasn't, I wasn't there for the game. They knew let you were me, coming. Let me oh. be very clear. I am in Seattle right now, though. Yeah, that is, that is true. Um, if you have time, go to sushi.com and eat there. Um, that's a website. No, that's a place to eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I can tell you that I have already ordered my last meal here. So, um, Crap. yeah, unfortunately. Oh, so, you would have been the best sushi of your life, but okay, whatever you say. I know, I know. Well, and I would have. I I almost had another day here, but then I cut my trip short. So, um. Because I, I think tomorrow I was hoping to maybe go into the city. But yeah, that's all right. Um, wide receiver. This one was really disappointing, actually. K.J. Osborne, not great. Um, so really not a good fill-in for Justin Jefferson. Apparently, Justin Jefferson has more talent than K.J. Osborne. Um, I don't know if you knew that, Chib, but... Apparently, I'm just learning that. Um, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Tight end Tyler Conklin, um, not great. You know, not, we really didn't have any. Okay, we had one good call. I'm gonna just hurry us along to that. New Orleans, um, was okay versus Houston. Um, that makes sense because Houston's been pretty good. Um, 
my kicker saved my ass. Um, Brett Mayer versus Arizona. He was great. So that was that was my one good call of the week, and I had negative three points. And so I've now got three and a half wins, and Chip has two and a half. <sighs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Anyway, all right, this week, this week um, is going to be different, y'all. I'm going to win. I already know it. It's my, it's my week to win. All right, <laughs> this week I picked quarterback. I picked Sam Howell. All right, he's not he's not super ranked, like, in the league right now when it comes to the fantasy points. But I feel like he's undervalued for some reason. So I got Sam Howell. For my running back, I got Deontay Foreman versus Las Vegas. So Deontay Foreman is currently on the Chicago Bears. Everyone's injured there, so hopefully you get enough touches and all that stuff, get into it, get a couple touchdowns, you know, and uh, give me a, a great. Next one, I got my wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba versus Arizona. I'm picking him because I feel like the Seahawks are going to be doing some new things and, like, put him in better situations that's going to actually highlight his talents versus the ways they've been using him um, recently. And I saw glimpses of that last game, so I'm hoping that they're going to continue with that. That's why I picked him. Tight end, I picked Dawson Knox versus the Patriots. The Patriots are so trash this year. Um, and so... <laughs> I love that so much. I'm I'm just so happy the Patriots are trash. You know, it's I'll take anyone against them. Great. <laughs> so, and then the next one I got, I got Seattle's defense versus uh the Cardinals. That's a good pickup, no matter what you say. And then kicker, I got Matt Gay versus the Browns. So, I anyway, I will say, Chib, Chib, Seattle versus Cincinnati was. One of your best calls last week, <laughs> and they were oh, only okay. <laughs> they did great, didn't they? They were okay. No, like, like if you watch the game, like Seattle's. Oh defense, yeah, yeah. For great. yeah, I'm talking fantasy purposes, but yeah, yeah. The they just didn't have game. enough takeaway. If they had one more takeaway, they would have been great. Honestly, but like they didn't if throw the ball. A, if it was a pick six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, think about it. Like, Seattle was just legit. Because the issue was the first half, they were they played they played poor. But the second half, it was just shut down defense. Like, mm-hmm. everything was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. So they never had a chance to even create the turnover because they weren't even on the field long enough to, <laughs> to create a turnover. So, which I feel like you should get, you should get points for three and outs. <laughs> that... I I actually I think that's a great take. I totally agree that that is. I think three and outs are pretty powerful in the game, um, because you're you're getting the ball back. It, it's almost as good as a turnover. Like it the is. other the other team is not is not actually wasting any of your your team's time on the field. Right. As soon as you get one first down, okay, you're taking up some clock and you know, it's a punt, you know, that's fine. But yeah, I I agree with that. Like I and I think I think yeah, I think that's something that can be different than um you know, because if you just said like how many punts you get, it I, I that might be a cool stat too, but 
what would limit you is, okay, what if your running backs are doing well in your game? So the other team doesn't have as many snaps um, on offense. So, so that could be, you know, one of those ones where a good team, a really well-run team with a good offense or a good defense and a good running game could shoot themselves in the foot for fantasy purposes. If they didn't have, you know, if you just went by the puns, Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a, a good idea. I unfortunately they just don't track that stat. Um but I mean for fantasy, you know. Um I'm sure I'm sure that exists on the in the interwebs. Um somewhere, yeah. This I thank you for agreeing with me. I need that for my for my my feelings. Anyway. <laughs> all right, let's move on to you. All right. Um I... Wait, we already finished yours. Now it's the picks. Oh, we already finished. No. Wait, no, it's your turn. Did we? Uh, did we even talk about Matt Gay? Do we need to? He's your kicker. I said it. I said. I said Matt okay. Gay. Yeah. Okay. Where's the right. You know, I. I didn't. I wasn't sure if you finished. Okay. Gotcha. So at quarterback, I. I also wanted Sam Howell. Um, I had to pivot last minute to Baker Mayfield because you chose Sam. Um, That's not a bad pickup, though. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, I'm, you know, Atlanta doesn't scare me too much on the defensive side, but they also don't. This looks like a better matchup for fantasy than than I really feel like it is. I think Atlanta is has a competitive defense to it to an extent. I I don't know, um, but but yeah, Baker Mayfield also doesn't excite me. Um, but he definitely can do some things down the field. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, you know, definitely for pa- fantasy purposes, historically this season, Atlanta is a good matchup. So it should be pretty, pretty positive. Um, I will say Kareem Hunt is my running back and um, versus Indianapolis, which is a good, good matchup. Um, I actually really like this pick because I, I actually watched him get over 10 points in one of my um, half point leagues last week. And part of that was just a touchdown, but it was a good game for him. Um, And it was, it was nice to see that he was kind of back to form. It felt like, and, and hopefully he can build on that. Um, A wide receiver position. This was one that I was surprised was even in the realm of uh pickability but i think it has more to do with basically the fact that he really hasn't he hasn't scored more than 14 points this this year um he hasn't had a bad game but he also hasn't had a really good game so that's keeping his ceiling as far as his projections way down he's projected for about nine and a half points and that's a flowers uh, and he's versus Detroit, so that should be a passing game. It's a good matchup with a, a player that is one of the leading targets on his team. Um, so I like that this one was sitting out there, and I, I feel good about it. He's he's projected as, like, the 30th best wide receiver, you know, so something pretty low. Um, so, yeah, pretty happy with that one. Uh, tight end Luke Musgrave. Um, this is just a good matchup against Denver. Um, and then I've got 
the Rams versus Pittsburgh. And Anders Carlson as my kicker. He's a rookie versus Denver. Again, picking on Denver as a great matchup for just about anyone. All right, Chib. Are you ready to talk 2024 rookies? Yes, but I have a question. Yes. When it comes to the Rams, are you picking them because you believe in their defense, or are you picking them because you don't believe in Pittsburgh's offense at all? <laughs> How dare you ask me this question? There's two two items here. First off, they, the uh, the talking heads think they're going to be good this week. <laughs> they're getting a lot of turnovers, so that's that's a good reason. They they only have one game without a turnover, and they have two with multiple turnovers they're getting sacks each week and i think i think the biggest thing is that they're they're playing a bend not bend don't break defense and that their offense is really burying people and and taking away the option to do anything except for pass the ball so for those reasons i i do like the rams um it's a little bit more about how Pittsburgh Pittsburgh has looked, they haven't been great, and I don't I don't think that I, I think the Rams are good enough and Pittsburgh's bad enough that this is going to be a good matchup, good choice. So, they are projected as the second best uh, defense on the week. However, the what? only reason, yeah, yeah, right, that's pretty crazy. The only reason why I felt comfortable for the purposes of our game picking them was twofold. One, they're the 26th best defense on the year, and they're currently on our waivers. So that's why I feel okay with with picking them. Any other so questions this whole time, for me? I thought we were only picking based off projections. We are. <laughs> project, you pick the number two projection. <laughs> I'm not playing by the rules, though. Okay. <laughs> Again, I think just for, the, <laughs> just for the asterisks on that one. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, man, dude. For for defenses, that's that's what I told you I'd do for defenses is I look at the the top 12 and if there's anybody in the top 12 that you know makes sense and they're either on waivers or lowly you know haven't done well this year I I like to pick them like Indianapolis Colts are the other one and they're playing Cleveland but that's a nice matchup because I think Cleveland's still on a backup quarterback yeah and they just won with that backup quarterback against San Francisco, which is just outrageous. All the backup quarterbacks won last week. Brock Purdy versus Mike Brock Purdy. He's a backup. <laughs> Brock Purdy's not a backup. That's that's offensive. He was. Once upon a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see. All right. Let's talk 2024 rookies. Okay. Who All right, let's is do it. coming down the pike, starting at quarterback. So I'm going to say the f- top 
three names, and then we'll talk through them. Um, Caleb Williams, you might have heard of him. Uh, Drake May, you might have also heard of him. Um, and I think more people are hearing about um, Shadur Sanders. Is that how you say his name? Yep. All right. That sounds weird coming out of my mouth, to be honest. Um, but it's interesting. So Shadur Sanders is the youngest son of Deion Sanders, and Deion Sanders is currently his head coach. Um, so obviously this is like something that a lot of college ball folks are are well aware of. Um, because I, I have seen Deion Sanders making a lot of noise on on uh the interwebs. Um I can't say I paid a lot of attention to it. Um odd as it might be, he's he's third on our list, but maybe that's a good place to start. Is do you want to talk about Sanders and you know kind of what's going on in Colorado? Do you know anything about this? Yep. Um so Sanders is the pocket quarterback. He's staying in the pocket, he's throwing dimes. Um, he's read and he's already doing going through his read progressions. Like he's not going to the first person he sees. He's going, he's going one, two, three, and he'll go back to his one if he needs to. So that makes so in terms of like NFL transition, I think he's gonna have a really beautiful transition based off that. Number two, he can zip it. Like I'm talking about, he's putting it into tight pockets, putting it on the on the money with accuracy as well, which is gonna bode well in the NFL where you don't throw it to open receivers. You throw receivers open, right? So it's going to be good. Next, he's not afraid of taking a hit. He'll sit in the pocket and take his hit, right, and del- to deliver the strike. So if he's, so it's not just about, oh, I'm going to sit here and take a sack. No, no, no. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to work through this. I'm going to take the hit if I have to in order to get the pass down the field, which he, which he does. Um, and lastly, he does, he does not like to – he does not want to run, but he will run. Right. Mm-hmm. If he if it's time to get out the pocket, he's gone. And he's not a slow runner. He's at he's athletic. Um, he's elusive as well. And he protects his body while he's running. He's not looking to try to put a hit on somebody. No, no, he's gonna run, he's gonna run out of bounds, you know, he's gonna slide, he's gonna do all that, just you know, play to the next down. And so and lastly, he has um just mind-wise, he's sharp, right? He's very intelligent as a as a as a quarterback. And that's going to bode well. So I think he has the total package, and he's only going to get better as he goes along. And he is endorsed. He is the first athlete ever endorsed by TB12, right? And so um, – Now, what, is, and what does that mean? Tom Brady. It, no, I know, but endorsed by TB12. As a, as one of their athletes. So he he Tom Brady hand-chose him to be the face of TB12. Um in order to uh, promote the brand. And Tom Brady is also his mentor. So he's he's Tom Brady after every game, him and Tom Brady are breaking down film, going over things together, all that stuff. So he's learning from the best, right? And, you know, it's hard to say he wasn't, Tom Brady wasn't the best, but he's learning from the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does not have elite, this is one thing I like, he does not have elite receivers. He's never had elite receivers. And something about this that's special to me, quarterbacks who, who are... Um, in the NFL, let's look at the ones who, who've dominated um, recently. Aaron Rodgers, right? Where did he go? Cal. Cal did not have elite receivers, right? So you're throwing those receivers open, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at um, Payne Manning. He went to Tennessee. Uh, they had they had great receivers, but 
Tennessee didn't wasn't bringing the best receivers ever to come and play. So you're throwing those people open. Let's go for let's keep going. Ben Roethlisberger, what school did he, he went to Ohio Western or something like that, right? <laughs> he did not have elite receivers, but you throw these people open. You look at um even current day, you look at um Josh, um I'm gonna forget his last name. You know him, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. He went to Wyoming. He did not have any elite receivers. You got to throw those guys open, right? And so my point becomes when you're in a situation where people aren't just running open all the time, right, and you're forced to throw them open, I believe that – I just my argument, I believe it translates well to the NFL. So that's why I think with Shadur, it's going to translate well being from Jackson State University and then going to Colorado where they're, re, they're rebuilding the whole team. Um, so I think it's going to translate well. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah, and um, to support your point, um, you know, look at C.J. Stroud, you know, Ohio State, you know, no elite receivers there. So, um, and he's been no, doing well no. in, the, in the NFL. So, <laughs> I was actually going to say to go against my point is C.J. Stroud. He's he's more of an anomaly than he is. Um, than he is. Um, what you call? What's the word? He he's he the like, exception yeah. to the rule. Cool. Yeah, yeah, he is because if you think about the other Ohio State um quarterbacks who came out of out, all garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I would, I would actually counterpoint. Well, not even counterpoint, but building off your point, um, a a good way to tell that this guy has a an awesome future is look at the receivers that he has now, and this is not me trashing on them at all, um. Because I think some of these guys are young and, you know, can really improve in the league and show that they're, they, they have some staying power, but Nico Collins is not a wide receiver that we're, you know, he's, we're not talking him up with the likes of, um, you know, uh, Justin, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or yeah. Yeah. Any of those guys, you know, and Tank Dell, being a rookie, of course, we might be talking him up very soon. But, you know, he was not in the conversation with Jordan Addison or JSN or, you know, uh, Zay Flowers or any of those guys. Um, even even Quentin Johnston, you know, he was talked up much more than Tank Dell. Um, so, you know, and, and Robert Woods, too, um, though he hasn't really, like, shown to be all that great for CJ Stroud this year. Um, but those three guys, those aren't, those aren't an amazing wide receiver core. They're actually probably the worst wide receiver core in the, in the whole league. If, if you ask people at the beginning of the year, right. Um, so yeah, I would say that this proves that he is staying power in the league because he's doing it with quote unquote, no ones, nobody's. Exactly. And a new head coach, whole new system, all that stuff. Like, there's a lot of praise to go around. Oh, just as a quick note before we continue, I just want to put in my early, early year vote, coach of the year, Demico Ryans. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to back you up on that. Um, I There's nothing else in my brain but to do that. He He seems like he's put together a good roster head to toe. Um, or if it, he hasn't put the roster, can't necessarily say he put a good roster together, but he's done well with the roster he has. Right. 
they're coachable. Um, like I think a lot right. of times you talk about, you know, sometimes you drop talent in order to get people who are going to buy into the system. Yep. And those yep. people can excel better than the, you know. Um, just a note because it's on my mind, um, and because we have nothing better to do than talk, right? Um. <laughs> Heck, it's uh, I've got two more hours to talk than you do. Um, Sam Howell. Sam Howell is a good name to talk about in this context because you look at you look at the receivers he has compared to the receivers that CJ Stroud has. Terry McLaurin. Great prospect. I think he was a second round pick. Definitely in that, you know, supposed to be elite category. Um, he hasn't really like done anything incredible but he's been in the mix right top 24 maybe in the league um you look at um Jahan Dodson first round pick from last year again you know a supposed to be elite type of guy and probably you know this year was kind of in that mix for you know top top six receiver from last year's class that still you know so he was he was doing really well um, and, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but their third receiver is also very good. I used to, he came out of, um, he was, came over from Carolina, but you know, he's got a, one of the better wide receiver cores in the league and he's doing well with it. But what Sam Howell is doing and what CJ Stroud is doing, those aren't equal in my mind. Because of the receiving core. I think Sam Howell, you could say we we're not getting a perfectly good picture of Sam Howell because of his great receiving core. And I'm not saying that Sam Howell is not good, but I'm saying that Sam Howell might not be the reason why Sam Howell is being is doing well right now. It might be Eric Bianami. It, it could be. Could be Eric Bianami. That's a really, really great point. So I, I'm just saying that in terms of looking at next year, I I would trust movement around CJ Stroud more than I trust movement around Sam Howell. For it, it, meaning if situations change, I still trust CJ Stroud. If situations change for Sam Howell, maybe my trust wanders away. Because move and it's a great it's a really great point because movement movement might occur in Washington this year because people are s- speculating that Ron Rivera might be gone. Right, right. So we'll see. And maybe, <laughs> I mean, if they were smart, if they move on from um, Rivera, I think the enemy would be the obvious choice. You would think. Don't let I him don't... out of your building. God. <laughs> you would think, but I don't. I don't believe it. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just don't. I just don't feel like it's gonna happen. I just. I feel like ownership are gonna like. We want a splash signing, something cool, whatever. They're gonna want something, and he's like, "Well, that to be honest, that is a splash signing in my mind." Like that. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Mine too. Mine too. But you know, I don't know. It's just weird how people maneuver in life yeah it is what it is um all right i do want to mention too um sanders going back to shadir sanders 
Um, he is 6'2", 216. Um, and the one thing that I did learn in looking into him, in terms of running, um, a good way to think about him is that he's a straight line runner. He's not a he's not a guy that's going to juke or make moves um, in nope. the open field. Not like a Lamar Jackson type of guy or anywhere close to that. Not even a uh, Josh Allen, you know. Um, at 216, you know, fairly light, really. I mean, you look at 6'2", 216, that's, that's kind of receiver. It's a wide receiver body kind of thing. Right? That am is I, true. Am I crazy? I mean, like, two two thirty is kind of what you look for at six, well, above six foot, you know, at, at the quarterback position. I'm just thinking in terms of running backs, right? A uh, a really nice, well built running back is about five ten, or six foot, but two fifteen, and this guy's two inches shorter, or two inches, sorry, two inches taller at least, maybe four, and is uh is the same size so um kind of interesting um leaner build but maybe not a bad thing um i don't think he's a concerning size at all um but not uh not in the you know elite size type of thing um all right going up our list drake may north carolina six four you know he's got bigger size um, still kind of a, a slimmer build, I'd say at 220. Um, but getting closer to that size that we're used to. Um, my notes accurate three level thrower. He's got he's got good mobility. Um, he you know he adds he adds something in the mobility um, area, which I would say would be you know AKA more mobile than Sanders. Um, He's a playmaker in and out of structure. He's got um, mechanics and a quick release that need work. So he does hold on to the ball a little bit. Um, he does he does need some more improvement on his mechanics, which Sanders has been improving on. Um, so any any notes from you on Drake May? I've never watched him play, actually, so I don't even know. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I can tell you if you want to watch a um wait, did he play last year? Um he did. He played last year. Never mind. I watched him play. I watched him play against Georgia Tech. Okay. Yeah, when they almost lost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to see him at his best, he just absolutely destroyed Syracuse. Well, it wasn't his fault. I, I saw the score on that, but um that game against Georgia Tech was not his fault. He he balled out. I'm like, they got good. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I I like the way he plays. He play he's fearless too, right? And, and he really believes like I'm gonna score every play. <laughs> like I think that's 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 what I can say for him based on what I watch. So interesting. That was last year though. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and to move us into our next guy, Caleb Williams. Um, that's risk taker is definitely a note that I have. Um, yeah. for him, and. Um, he's six one two fifteen. So back to that slimmer build, um, and in kind of that short quarterback range, uh, not not the short concerning quarterback, but more like um, it wasn't. I, I want to say um, Drew Brees was six one. He might have been six foot, but he's six one. 
I think. Um, and, you know, so, so again, and I, I think the height thing with quarterbacks has pretty been pretty much been debunked. Um, you know, where Bryce Young's doing okay. It's not the size that's his problem. Um, it's just his figuring out the game. Um, so Caleb Williams, though, 6'1", 215, risk taker. He He's a dual threat for sure. Um, so good. Both. Really, I don't think any of these guys are bad for fantasy. Uh, Sanders, I think, would be the um, in terms of fantasy purposes for running purposes. Um, he's probably the lowest on the list out of the three. Um, and we're talking about them really in reverse order of what we think they would be in talent. Um, but Caleb Williams, arm talent to make all the throws. Very, very accurate. Um, but again, he is a bit of a risk taker. Um, you seem to agree with that. What are your comments on Caleb Williams? Who's who's out of yeah. USC, USC, by the way? Formerly Oklahoma, not out of USC. I mean, I think for me, you know, I don't know if I personally don't know if I would draft him mainly because NFL is not a place where you play play around with it. Right. And so, um, yeah, you have to be very, what's it called? Very meticulous with the ball. Like, because if you play around with it, you know, these these guys, they have time to study you. <laughs> That's all they do. Study, 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 study. You know, I was listening to what's his name? Uh, Reed. Eric Reed uh, recently about um, he's talking about how he picked off Peyton Manning in one of his plays. And he legitimately said, I found out that Peyton Manning pump fakes where he's going to throw. <laughs> he always does that. And once I said after I, after I got the the like it hit me when I was watching a film, I said, oh, if I see him pump fake again. Right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run the opposite side of the field. Right. I know he's going to throw it. Then I'm going to run down where I'm supposed to be and I'm going to intercept this guy. And he does exactly what happened. And I'm like, this guy, has, <laughs> these guys have time. They have time to study you. So you can't take these risks. Right. And so um, in that capacity and, and then it creates it demoralizes your team, all that stuff. And when you make mistakes. So that's I'm like, I'm a little bit afraid of taking him. Right. It's like high risk, high reward situation with Caleb Williams. Um, but I love his fight. He 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 has a tenacity. He wants to win, right? He's not too much about the glitz and glam. So, um, so I'm looking at it from that aspect. If I if I would draft the guy or not, for me yeah. right now, it's a, uh, I don't know. So what you're saying is, if Caleb Williams goes number one again, um, there's a high chance that we just continue this mentality that the number one overall pick is actually going to be the guy that crashes and burns, and the the second guy on the list is usually the better guy. Yes. <laughs> which it might not even be the second guy maybe sometimes it's the third but at least cj stroud was seems to be doing well um okay quarterbacks still aren't the most important position in in fantasy um some would argue it's running back especially with youth um do we have good running backs coming out that is the question um you know if you're just looking to fill that one last position running back uh, Blake Corum is top on the list. Um, five eight two ten, so a, a little, um, a little small here. Again, you know, we're looking at two fifteen, maybe, maybe two uh, five ten. Um, but 
being short is not really a problem when, you know, five pounds lighter with two inches lighter or shorter. Um, you know, that, that I think it kind of makes up for, it. I, I'm not scared of this size, uh, per se, you know, he's not, uh, Jamar, um, oh my gosh, the running back in Detroit right now, that's, um, Jamal Charles. No, no Detroit. Um, the rookie that just came out, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Jame- um, oh yeah, Jameer Gibbs. You know, Jameer Gibbs is five nine and two hundred pounds. Um, much lighter than Blake Corum. Um, Blake Corum has, um, he's very creative. He's got a lot of, a lot of vision. Um, he can change direction quickly, and he's patient. Um. So he does have, again, size, some size concerns, maybe frame concerns is a better way to put it. Um, Doesn't really have that long speed and not great in short area, um, which (laughs) some of those concerns are pretty concerning, I guess I would say. Um, So he seems seems like a good creative back that's going to make people miss, but he might be just like between the number or between the... uh, uh between the what are they between the 20s that's that's what they say between the 20s line uh runner um but he does have uh some good hands you said you got more to say on him yeah yeah i mean i was i i, I was trying to f- figure out a comparison to him and i was just gonna say i feel like he's a more ta- he's a little bit more talented deandre swift that was my comparison right he runs hard he runs with um um what you call it Intention. With passion, yeah, and intention, yeah, he's trying to get forward all the time. He keeps his legs moving, um, and he's gritty, right? And I like, but I think he's just a little bit more talented than Andre Swift, um, which which is good because D Swift is like he's really killing it right now in fantasy, right? Yep. Especially if he gets to the right situation with a good with a decent O line, like he's gonna he's gonna ball out, I think, um, for people. So that's that that's been my analysis. It's hard to like praise him because he's a Michigan Wolverine, but. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what does Ohio State have something against Michigan? I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Well, let's talk about the Ohio State running back, uh, Travion Henderson. Um, he is uh, he is five eleven, two fifteen, strengths are. You know he's he's good in the open field. He's elusive. He he's got that speed. He's got that patience. So, um, in some ways, he's got a lot of the things that perhaps Corum. Blake Corum doesn't. Um, though they both are very elusive. Um, he does have some concerns though. Um, pass protection is is an issue. Um, it even though he's open field elusive, he's not really elusive um, between the tackles. He's, he's got some yards after contact issues and um, he's not very decisive um, all the time. So um, you've probably watched a game or two of his. What do you think about him? Dr. Chib? Say that one more time. I said, you've probably watched a game or two of his. Uh, what do you think of him? He's great. I mean, Real passionate player as well. Like he runs hard every single time. Um, very creative as well. 
Um, what's it called? Only concern is injuries. Okay. <laughs> like, I think he's hurt right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. So that's my only concern. These guys get beat up so much before they even get into the league. It just sucks. You know, so um, I just wonder how bad the injury is right now. So, but, but yeah, but everything you said was accurate. I don't think there's anything else to add to it. Okay. Okay. Um, let's talk about our third running back here from Arkansas. Um, 6'2", little tall, um, 235. So a big guy. Um, strengths here, violent runner. Um, he's got some good vision, some patience. Um, great acceleration and burst uh he he's very agile in in congested areas and good contact balance i i like this uh this list of things here um by the way i do for some of these notes since i haven't watched the tape yet you know i am looking at the draft network um they they do a great job of breaking down the rookies especially early um which is nice um so you can kind of get an idea of what's what's coming down the pike or who's coming down the pike, I should say. Um, some concerns here, route running. Um, he does go for some unwarranted contact at times, which I can say um, there's, there's two running backs that are on that list in past years. Um, Javante Williams, who, who got injured and, um, and I would say, uh, not I want to say Najee Harris, but I, I don't think that's true actually. Um, you know what? I'm not remembering his name because he is out of the league. Um, because I think he he got arrested or something. Um, he was one of the best running backs coming out a bit ago. But anyways, you know these violent runners um do tend to get injured quite a lot because again if they if they try to take on contact in a more violent way. Um, oftentimes their shoulders get hurt or, you know, or they're tearing their ACLs, I guess. <laughs> so um not sure if it's related or not, but um, Raheem Sanders, again, 6'2", 235. Um, do you have any thoughts on him, Chip? No, I've actually never watched him play. Okay. I'm like, I'm trying to look up his... Um... It sounds like he's bursting onto the scene a little bit. Um, from what I was seeing, that he's he's kind of inc- improved quite a bit, and you know it'd be interesting. You get another uh, Sanders, um, you know, you get two Sanders guys on the same team. He is not um a son of Deion Sanders, though, right? He's not. No, no, no. Because <laughs> if he was, he'd be on Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I had a picture of okay. Why is um, Shadir Sanders so good, and then I was like, okay, picture this: you're Deion Sanders' son, you're playing ball in the backyard, you're the quarterback, and <laughs> all of your brothers are the wide receivers, and it's the only thing standing between you and passing the ball to your brothers is Deion Sanders. <laughs> you gotta get pretty good pretty fast. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, I will say as well. Um, what's it called? You know his. Yeah, both of his sons play on that Colorado. Really? Yeah. He's got, he actually has another son on Colorado. Yeah, his name is Shiloh. He plays. He's a a D back. Ah, 
Got it. Got yeah, it. He's a, there had he's to a be safety. one. There had to be one. Oh yeah, yeah. And Shiloh, you know, he, like he had a pick six. And his, the last game he played had a pick six. He was injured recently. Um. So yeah, he's he's great. Wow. He has no. He gets no like fame and recognition because he's not yeah. like that. But he's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Glad. How many sons does Deion Sanders have? Should I? He has another one. He has Deion Sanders Jr., um, but he doesn't play any sports. <laughs> <laughs> what? I. It's just. It's funny. I mean, and obviously, you know these, you know these kids. Uh, they can they can go their own way. It's just funny to. He wants their social media for the family. Okay. Wait. Wait. Yeah. So he was. So he's the firstborn son, of course. Junior, <laughs> yeah. None uh, of them. I'm looking at uh, Deion Sanders, who has been hogging the uh, college football spotlight following his undefeated start to the season. So that's interesting. Well, part of the issue with uh, Deion Sanders Junior is that he's five seven. Yes. <laughs> so, um, not not the best height for any position in the nfl other than running back and yeah i was gonna say a running back would work but that's it yeah but he'd be he'd be really small for even a running back i mean deuce fawn i think was uh what was he five, five. he's five, five six all right is he five six you're probably right so five he's seven would be i mean and everybody was looking at deuce Vaughn as like uh can you really do that yeah five six yeah look at that okay but i i saw something here that he was a yeah, he's a SMU wide receiver. Oh, was he? Yeah, that's what this says. Um, let's see stats. Oh, so this was back in twenty uh, thirteen through twenty fifteen. Looks like gotcha. He returned some punts. Okay, maybe maybe kickoffs is the better way to say that because. Um, he returned 70 kickoffs for 1500 yards. That's that's he's pretty good. Never had a touchdown though in his whole college career. Wow, that's sad. It's really sad. Negative negative six uh punt return yards. Apparently, he had one one punt return and it was not good, so they didn't put him back out there. Damn. <laughs> So yeah, seven receptions in 2013, 2014, 23, and then in 2015 they said no you're a kickoff returner and um yeah, put him back there for 15 kickoffs, which doesn't seem like a whole heck of a lot for an entire college season. So I don't know what they were doing. But he hey, while on offense he did oh this is probably special teams. He he did have a uh solo tackle so only one though <laughs> so not a uh glowing career i'd say that's yeah that sucks yeah. i was like i don't think he played sports at all <laughs> i really didn't think that yeah one thing about him interesting so let's talk about wide receivers um, these guys are a little taller than uh, five seven. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. is much taller 
205, the Ohio State wide receiver. Um, I don't have many notes on this guy outside of the fact that, you know, everybody knows he's the best thing since sliced bread. Um, he's great at route running. He's a do-it-all X receiver. Um, he's going to be my top pick in the draft, um, assuming I'm not in a 2QB league. And, yeah, there's not much thought I'd put into it. Should I put more thought into it? Which player? Uh, no one, just Marvin Harrison Jr. No thought needed. He's the number one receiver coming out, period. <laughs> <laughs> what are we thinking about? <laughs> so would you put him above the running backs coming out from what you know about them? Yes. Great. Enough said. Any any uh, nuance that you want to add to his game? Tell us what kind of a receiver he is. What's his play style? He's he's a do it all receiver, right? You could put him in a slot; he'll do it, right? I mean, should you put him in a slot? No, it'd be a waste. <laughs> but, but you could. Um, his route running is elite. His hands are elite. Like I'm talking about everything you want. His speed is he Randy Moss running a four three? No, but he's not running slow, right? He's fast. He's gonna get. He knows how to get by. His break. He comes out of his break so clean. One thing I really like about him, you can't tell what he what he thinks or what he feels. Hmm. You can't. He keeps the same demeanor no matter what, right? So it's like if you think you're going to play mind games and get into his head, it, he's getting into your head right now, right? So if he's open and the quarterback did not throw him the ball, he doesn't get upset, <laughs> <laughs> right? He just reminds the quarterback, hey, hey. <laughs> Just always look my way first. Because <laughs> there's a good chance I might be open, right? Like, just give a, a, a small reminder. Like, he never he never exaggerates. No. He plays so smooth, so clean, right? And he knows what he's – even to the point where last year when the – um they had – I think they said oh, the Ohio State had the most scouts come to their senior day and all the other stuff so people can see – um. Pro day stuff, yes. They had the most scouts come of any of the school. And they said the majority of the scouts, though people thought they were coming to come see CJ Stroud, they came from Marvin Harrison Jr. That's how good he is. Yeah. They were coming a year early to go scout this kid and and, and, mm-hmm. and try to talk to him, right? Before anything. And they were all also the same thing. They were so impressed. So yeah, this guy is he's the next coming. And he and the thing is, he grew up around this NFL stuff. Yeah, that's his dad, Marvin Harrison. And Marvin Harrison, oh my God. You know, like he people say it's scary that he might be better than his father. And that's saying a lot. Right. That's saying a lot. So right. anyway, I can't I can't speak um too enough about him, how good how great he is. So Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, the Ohio State is really wide receiver you right now. Um kind of showing <laughs> up uh LSU a little bit. But that being said. The next guy on our list is from LSU, Malik Nabors, um, or Nabbers, maybe. Um, we always kind of that's part of the learning process here. Um, with with rookies coming in, you know, we learn how to say their names, and then and then they come into the NFL, and they end up not the names end up being said differently. Um, look at Achan, 
and I still call him a chain um, because that's what everybody said before he came into the NFL, and then we learned differently, right? So how do you pronounce it? A chain. A chain. Oh, e chain. E chain. E chain. A chain. A chain. A chain. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, instead of a chain, which is how I, at least how I always heard everybody say that, but. Um, so Malik Nabors or Nabbers, um, LSU, six foot. So, for, you know, not a big guy, um, but not little either. One ninety. Um, so that's that's not a bad size. Um, little little light, but not not horrible. Um, actually, that that is pretty small. Actually, I would say that I, I don't know. I'm. I'm a little overweight, but I'm eight one eighty, um, and I'm five uh, ten. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> hmm. um, either I'm short and stocky, and or uh, you know whatever. Anyways, <laughs> I'm I, I'm overweight myself too. <laughs> I look at these numbers. I'm six four. It's two fifty. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I always, I, I always got to double check my, uh, my height because my brother lied to me about his height for so long. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not five ten. I, I forgot that. I'm, I'm five eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad every time I remember, I lose two <laughs> inches. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, I wonder why I never played football. <laughs> yeah, you could have been a running back. I could have, I could have, uh, yeah, could have been a running back, but instead I decided to get my concussions playing rugby. So, um, <laughs> oh, that's a tough sport. Yep, yep, good times. <laughs> Never have I ever had a front desk at a hotel call me to ask if I needed anything, very, um, just out of the blue. Um, you must be um, paying them a lot of money, <laughs> or there's nobody else staying here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say there are cars parked parked in the parking lot, so <laughs> I'm not really worried about that. But hi, right, so do you need anything? Like I'm fine. Okay, okay, just making sure you're okay. Yeah, we're bored. Yeah, my... We're bored as crap. We'll do anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, it's very nice. Um, unfortunately. Uh, very unfortunate when you're recording a podcast of course <laughs> but i i will say i my first thought was wow am i really being that loud <laughs> i was like oh my gosh someone's calling to complain about how loud i am seriously and i'm in like a suite i mean this is a uh a residence in and so I actually have two bedrooms. One's upstairs and one's downstairs. Ooh, bougie. I thought this was Blue Collar Dynasty, not... <laughs> <laughs> I will say this is this was the cheapest hotel, actually, too. And it's it's great. I love it. Yeah. It, I will say the only thing that sucks is that there's no elevator to the room. It's on the second floor. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think that's it. I had to carry my suitcase up up a flight of stairs. So, um, and you have is there to an elevator of... in your is there an elevator in your house? Uh, no, no, there's okay. not. Yeah. But yeah, how about that? But mm -hmm. but there's more stairs to like this is a higher second floor than my house. You know, so 
You just said you're overweight and complaining about exercise. <laughs> I said I didn't say anything about exercise. <laughs> you brought you brought exercise into this, not me. <laughs> I am perfectly content. Um, <laughs> I play soccer every Sunday. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I wish I was still up there. I would have uh, played with you. Yeah, yeah, that would have been sick. You know, time. something I will say is it sounds like you're really liking Seattle. Uh yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think I still will go home tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I know you're gonna be happy to go home, but let's, let me ask you the question. So far, well you haven't explored all the way, but which city is better so far? Seattle or Buffalo or well, Rochester? Well, I guess from as far as this trip goes, um, I have to say Bellevue. Because that's actually the only city that I've I've seen as far as uh, yeah I'm I'm cheating a little bit by saying that I'm I'm in Seattle because I I really actually haven't stepped foot in the city proper I'm down by the airport right now um but all of my sites were in Bellevue so yeah but I have spent some good time in Seattle and I enjoy it quite a bit I I do like the city itself as well um so so no complaints i i can't really argue that it's not a good city um you know buffalo is also a good city um you know and i i do like rochester so um i can't i can't say anything against that whose food is better so far (laughs) i am a food connoisseur i'm not necessarily a food critic that's what i'll say i enjoy all the food typically i i've had bad food before um not here though um so that's good so so far i've had um filipino filipino food um actually it was it it called itself manilin um which is a little bit different i'd say and that was very yummy um there was a dessert that i liked a lot of it and not some of it so there was some ups and downs there but yeah the and then i had a burger and that was that was good so um homes homes got good food too buffalo's got good food yeah mm, no complaints okay. no complaints politician. yeah yeah Ooh, I, politician. I, I can't yeah i don't have any like strong takes for you unfortunately and i usually i usually can pull one out but yeah i i can't say anything bad about seattle Buffalo or Rochester, um, or Dallas for that matter. Um, you know, Dallas has some good. Okay. Actually, I will say I had one of my most traumatic, um, food experiences in Dallas that I will say. Um, so this was in a smokehouse outside of, uh, I think that's grapevine. I think I was in grapevine. We went to the smokehouse tiny little place so small and like non-bougie that they were putting dollar bills in the um, stuffed animal ads on the wall um, and that's fine I'm I'm fine that was not part of the trauma it, you know the guns on the wall it was it was pretty funny when the the owner was asked how he decommissioned the guns to put them on the wall not by me but by some other customer his response was what do you mean 
<laughs> it's like welcome to Texas. <laughs> Zika, what? <laughs> what do you mean? These are all they're all loaded. <laughs> they're ready to go. <laughs> but the, the traumatic experience was actually the smoke itself. Um, you know, and I've been to smoke houses before, no problem. But this was the smokiest smokehouse I've ever been to, and um, you know, and I I bought something that was smoky because I wanted to, you know, really get into the uh, whole um, world of the smokehouse, I guess. Um, you know, I wanted to have their best best thing. And uh, yeah, it was um, more than I bargained for. And I was smelling smoke out of my nose for the next three days. Um, and kind of, you know, I'd be we'd be driving in the car and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is there a smokehouse nearby? Because I smell it again. <laughs> Be jumping. <laughs> oh, I can see why. Yeah. It's not supposed to be that smoky. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So sorry um, about that. Yeah, so there's some trauma in 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 Dallas, but other than that, it's a good place. Um, <laughs> uh, so poor poor Malik neighbors. Um. So I, the only note I have for him is contest, contested catch receiver. I don't, I don't view that as a good trait, to be honest with you. And so I'm a little worried about this guy as a prospect, especially at six foot being a contested catch receiver. I just don't, I don't know that he's got the elite traits to be able to do that at the next level. So. Okay. So my neighbor. Yeah. Neighbors. Are you. Do you know anything about neighbors at this point? Have you watched them? A little bit, but not really. I mean, it's just it's hard because he's open a lot. Let me just say that. Got it. Open a lot. And it's like, is this a situation of poor defense or he's just he's elite? So we'll see. But I don't I don't discount LSU receivers. They've been elite year in and year out. So mm-hmm. That's not somebody I'm not, I'm going to um don't take him lightly, let me say that. But I haven't watched him a lot. I have not watched him a lot. That makes sense. All right. So apparently most of our list here at receivers from the Ohio State. Next, Amica, you know who it is. Amika Edjbuka. It's pronounced I think this one is pronounced Ameka. Oh, Ameka. Got it. Ameka. Ameka Ibuka. Ibuka. Okay. Yeah, the G is silent. Abuka. Got it. Emeka Abuka. There you go. Sarah. Thank you for training. I mean, I you're good. Uh this guy, he's he's amazing. Like I'm talking about hands, beautiful. Right? Route running, beautiful. He really plays in the slot a lot. He's just so dependable, mm-hmm. right? And he's fearless. And he's and he's a great um he's a great yak receiver. Okay. Great back receiver. Like he's gonna catch it. He's gonna know his positioning is so good, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need someone to catch a ball, you can trust that he's gonna be there. Like, hey, I'm here. If you need me, I'm here. <laughs> you know, kind of like that. And I, and I and I love that about him. So, um, but yeah, I think he also he was injured recently. Um, nothing serious, but um, they held him out for the last game, I think. But he'll be back next week, I believe. Okay, so for the people, but also for me, um. How would you say he measures up to JSN? Ah, 
He's a bigger target. That's why. Right? Okay. He's, right. He's 6'1", 205. Um, so, so he could play more on the outside, but they they mostly have him on in the slot, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has he has great speed, um, honestly. So he's versatile, but they like him in the slot a lot just because he's just so trust he's so trustworthy, but in like the yak yards, like he'll catch it, he knows how to get like so if they get him in the middle of the field, pretty much that's the that's the that's the thing. If we get him in the middle of the field, he can make he can make a move and make people miss. Right. And that's and that's where where JSN his value is he can get open based on his running abilities. Got it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, um, and then, um, what's it called? Oh, and he has real strong hands. Um, Ibuka, real strong hands. So, but overall, like, you, you, you're not gonna go wrong picking this kid up, right? Mm-hmm. And they have and and the work ethic for both of them, him and and Harrison, like, it's 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 amazing. Great, great, yeah, and and it's worth noting too that this list that we're going through is kind of um you know, according to the broader internet, you know, these are kind of the top prospects coming in um, to to the 2024 draft. So um, at each of these positions. So um, that's kind of important to note. It, it does seem like already the wide receiver position is again, pretty deep as we're still talking about the top or the third guy on the list being, you know, a really good option here. Um, whereas the running backs, I feel like we're, we're kind of falling off pretty quick there. Um, you know, I, I mean, all three seem like decent options, but they, there are definitely holes we could poke in their game. Um, and then at the quarterback position, again, we seem pretty deep. Um, I know there's other names on that list. Um, you know, even in someone's top, you know, I was looking at a couple of the, uh, the really early, dynasty rookie drafts um you know for two qb leagues and there was i'd say there was probably five quarterbacks in the first round um you know so definitely a lot of guys in the mix um moving on to tight end um this is a position that it's interesting as well because you kind of have two top guys and then um and then you start getting into the developmental guys. Um, the top <laughs> one here, Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 6'4", 230. Um, great hands, dominant receiving, blocking and separation needs some work. Um, so I, I guess it, talk to me about what you've seen of him at the college level. Because um, obviously – you know they're they're talking about this guy like he's you know Gronk. basically the next Kyle Pitts. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, I was looking at him like he's the next Gronk. Ah, well, that's even even worse or better. I don't know. Uh, well, in terms of like his his love of the his love of the game in general is there, okay. right? Um, what's it called? He really is uh somebody who. He's a student. He's a student of the game. But Gronk wasn't really a student of the game, the way the traditional way. Like Gronk could watch. Like Gronk was more of a savant because they say he could watch film for one day and he knows what he's doing, right? And <laughs> versus this kid, he wants to get. He's trying to get better every single day, right? And he's always trying to overachieve. So, 
for him, nothing is not possible. So which is good. He play he runs hard, right? He runs fearlessly, right? He he has great hands as well. So he's somebody who I would say is not um you know, we don't take him too lightly. Yeah, that's what he's I would worth say. he's worth keeping on your radar. Probably a hundred percent. You know, where would you rank him compared with the tight ends that we had coming out this past year? No, higher than them. Higher than all of them. All of them. Wow. Wow. So Dalton Kincaid, um, Mayer, um, Sam Laporta. Um, great. Great. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. So keep your keep your eyes on Brock Bowers. I love um, scouting these college players. <laughs> it is fun, isn't it? Um, <laughs> all right. Sanders. Oh my god, another Sanders. Jesus Christ. They're everywhere. Are <laughs> we sure? Are we sure this funny. one's not related? <laughs> He's not related, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So out of out of Texas. Um, he's six four, two forty five. Um, this guy is more of a receiving tight end, so same as is Brock Bowers, I guess. Um, but he's got some elite traits. He's got great separation, so that's kind of different than Bowers. Um, he does also need improvement in blocking. So I guess my concern with both of these guys is the blocking. How are they going to stay on the field as rookies? Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah. yeah. Um. That boy Bowers on blocks like that. <laughs> so he's going to be like, he's going to be kind of just running routes and they're. But, but here's my, here's my thing. This is what I say. Shannon Sharp, Hall of Fame tight end. He said the same thing. He's like, when I came out, I'm not blocking anybody. Pass me the ball. Right. But mm-hmm. then when he learned in order to stay on the field, he had to block. He said, no, I'm a block. So I can stay on the field because I'm going to, I'm going to get this ball. Right. At some point. So. If if you're a student of the game and you understand, you know, your value and everything like that, you can still scream your head off and say, you know, I want the ball and still say, but I'll block for you. But just make sure you don't do me dirty and not passing the ball, you know. So I think in that situation, um, I can trust uh, Bowers. Okay. What do you think about Jatavian Sanders? I don't know him. You don't know him. All right, we will move on then. Um, what team you play for? Texas. Oh, I haven't watched. You know, I will say something. I've been trying to watch a Texas game all year. I have not gotten one opportunity to watch it because every time it's time to watch it, something else is happening that I can't get out of. That's all right. We'll, we'll forgive you, Jim. Um, Please forgive me. And I live we'll... here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? What the heck? Um, <laughs> it's all right. We'll 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 catch him. This is still early, but we just want we want everybody to start getting to know these names, um, even if we're not maybe saying them correctly. We'll see. Um, Jahim or Jahim Bell. Um, is that LSU? Florida State. Florida State. Oh yeah, that's a team we need to start watching more because I did not expect them to be this good. Oh, sorry. I didn't. I have. Not, I have not seen any of the games either, so I can't even speak to this guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. No problem. I'll. I'll tell you in the notes that I've found online. Um, but uh, Jaheim Bell, developmental, athletic tight end. Um, 
you know, he's a receiving tight end a little bit more. So all of these guys, not really blockers, but receiving. Um, he is 6'3", 230, um, so a little smaller than the other guys. Um, but that's – so that's interesting. Um, so he – that's where I was seeing a little bit of that fall off where he's more of a developmental guy. Um, so we have two two seemingly elite tight ends and then, and then a couple guys. Um, I'm sure there'll be other developmental guys. Um, behind them, um, behind Bell and stuff. So, um, yeah. So that's your your preview. Three, three rookies from each of the important positions. And uh, yeah. Um, any any last thoughts? Any any rookies that you know honorable mentions that you think are worth mentioning? Uh, maybe no more uh, players from you know, the Ohio state and nobody with the last name Sanders. I, I think that would be my only two stipulations. <laughs> um, you know, one, I guess he's not coming out this year. He's going to come out next year. Um, but Washington, um, um, what you call it? Washington Huskies, their football team. Okay. Michael Penix Jr. Michael right. Penix Jr. Yes. So what position? Quarterback. Quarterback. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He might be coming out this year, actually. Depending That's somebody on how who well like, he does. Yeah, he's a retro senior. He's 23 years old, so he's played a lot of years. And you know, they talk about how like the NFL might be going. I don't know if you've heard this these talks before, but the NFL, they said the key to NFL now might be getting more mature quarterbacks to give to give the keys to, right? Who've played mm-hmm. more snaps in, in um in college. They're saying this because um of Brock Purdy. Now they're saying he had a full four years of experience. And they're thinking right. that that translates why he's so comfortable right now. Got it. Got it. So that's they're saying that's something to look out for. So with this guy, he's he's not the Heisman favorite. I don't know if you know that. Michael Penix Jr. He is now. Okay. Yeah. He's the Heisman favorite. So they're undefeated. They've been lighting up the scoreboard left and right, killing everybody. So wow. um that's some that's something to definitely take a note of. And you're in his state, Washington. So um I'm surprised you haven't seen a billboard of three or corner of <laughs> Yeah, that's right. They can make money off of their uh their faces now. Which is um, which is great, you know. I'm happy that these no, kids that's good. finally got the chance to do it how the, how it's supposed to be done, right? Yeah. You know, he's like, yeah, here working for free. I thought we stopped that practice. Right? <laughs> no, it's it's so true. Um, yeah, it's I I feel like I feel like the real answer in some respects is that it, okay, so. I've got two takes here. Okay. Um, first take is why don't we learn something from the Europeans and say, okay, if you want to go play football, you can go play football and you don't have to go to college to play football first. You know, you just go right into the NFL. What, what does that look like? Um, Number that two, capitation. That? that looks What's... like decapitation. You can't yeah. do that. <laughs> I'm little, I'm little boy bodies ain't ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. Um, 
the the only reason I say that is because if you look at at least soccer or their, you know, the football in the rest of the world, you know, they they do have developmental teams, but for the most part, you know, the really good players, they start their journey in the top tier when they're like 18. You know, so they go they go directly into the league. Um and and from that respect, yeah, there's probably still some still some in a lot of development that has to happen, but you know, maybe at least they can they can do that while um while contributing to the next level. I you know going along with this take is the full understanding that football really started at the college level in the states. And so I, I don't think there's any world where this happens but i don't know just the thought we we lose so many to injury it's just such a shame and you'd you'd rather see some of these young guys get um, well the prop the problem is you have kids the problem is the way the is structured number one is the european soccer is not structured as a capitalistic system where it's about competition right it's not structured hmm. like that American sports are structured where it's capitalistic. We try to make it fair, try to make it reasonable, right? And um, and see if we can create a balanced playing field in some capacity. But if somebody is just better than you and they're they're continuously like taking advantage of the situation, that's what they're doing. That's 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 their benefit and your loss. But the rules base, the basis of the foundation of the rules is meant to make it as fair as possible. That's why they have the draft, right? In the European soccer, you can't draft. Legitimately, in Europe, if let's say I had a child, they're just born. Any team can give me a contract right now. Say, hey, we'll sign your child right now. They can sign my child, assuming he may turn out to be a phenom or she, depending on um, what you call it, the league, right? They may say, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to be a phenom. If they sign my child to a 30-year deal, so <laughs> they got my child for 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. What ha- What happens? No other team can get my can get my child, right? It, my child can develop and become this phenom, and the worst team in the league never had a chance to grab that kid, even though that's the team that needs that kid the most, right? right. So now I I can stack my team with future assets through the wazoo and grab them as early as possible, and then if they pan out, I keep them. If they don't pan out, I develop I develop them as best as I can to show them show some value. Then I sell them, and they're just going to fund the next crop of kids I'm going to grab anyway, right? And so, so you, so I, you know, you said you said that the um, the Europeans aren't a very capitalistic system, but what you just described for for the uh, international football um, associations. That sounds very capitalistic to me. Honestly, the uh, the NFL is starting to sound pretty socialist. Well, the capitalism <laughs> in terms of the true definition of it, where it's about competition. But but the Europeans are what they're trying to do is eliminate the competition and grab everything that they can, be monopolistic. They won't control hmm. it all. Hmm. So that's and monopolies aren't supposed to be a capitalistic creation. It's not supposed. It's not supposed to be able to happen. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be things in place that don't allow you to control everything because when there's a monopoly, the custom the consumer suffers. Right. That's right. That based on my elementary knowledge of capitalism. Uh, that's true. Um to yeah, 
Yeah. I, that's why right I, now. I get like... Yeah, I get that. I do think that's what we see out of capitalism. However. <laughs> yes. In the true sense of capitalism, based on my bitty, little itty bitty knowledge. But like in Europe right now, in the top, they call the top six leagues or the top five leagues. They know who's going to, they pretty much know who's going to win the championship every single year. Oh, yeah. Like, no. Yeah, yeah no, you really no got to. Yeah, you really got to look at the Champions League to uh, to, to get any kind of it. interesting competition. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. It's like, Premier League, they're like, oh, it's going to be Manchester City. This year might be Arsenal, right? This year might be Newcastle, actually. But that, now it's getting a little more interesting with the Premier League. But the, yeah, um, the I'd say the pre- Premier League is actually, actually does the best at, at it is. Yeah, that that is definitely the best league with in in terms of parity. Um, you know, you look at the Bundesliga in Germany, and it's basically Bayern München um, every day, all day. Yeah. Um, except La Liga for... is going to be Barcelona or Real Madrid. Those are the two. Yep. Yep. Exactly. France or so, or PSG. Uh, league Paris One is going to be PSG. Exactly. And then who's next? Um, you can look at the Italian Sports league. That the Italian oh, yeah. league is actually not bad either. Um, yeah, actually, they began better. It's pretty. But it's, it's, it, it's, it's it's on par in some way in terms of competition. I would say with um, uh, with the Premier League because you have that's true. You have a lot of different teams that like Roma and Juventus and um, those Inter Milan, two, AC Milan, Inter Milan, AC Milan. Yeah, good point. But I mean, but I, I mean, I will say something. I think a, a chunk of it is also there's a lot of mismanagement with those with that league <laughs> <laughs> because there's no, it's like where's the stability? Like there's no, like you don't have, you got too much turnover with some players, people running away because of tax fraud and this and that, and people losing points because they're cheating and how they're doing X, Y, and Z. So it's like something's wrong with y'all. So well, that now we're getting into. Um, southern versus northern cultural issues. Um, you know, I I don't know if you've ever heard about this, um, or if you pay any attention to it. Um, but the idea that um southern cultures have developed in across the world as as kind of a um, and you can look at the U.S. too for this in some respects as the in the south you get a lot of um a lot more focus on just enjoying life that yeah. is in front of you whereas in the north you're you know where you're cold all the time and in order to get warm you actually have to put some work into um you know build your house and whereas in the southern regions you can just sit on the beach and sleep on the beach and you know, so <laughs> that's that's the theory, right? Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of issues with that theory, and and probably a lot of um, you know, stereotypes built in there. But um, well, it's nothing. To, well, it's nothing to like uh, what you call it to like dismiss too too quickly. I would say because it's more like the closer you are to the equator, the more sunlight you have. Right. The more right. sunlight you have, the less of a rush you're in. It's not gonna get dark anytime soon, right? So, for example, in Russia, when you say, "Oh, I'm gonna be at your house at three, you have to be there exactly by three. You need to be there on time. You don't have any daylight to waste, right? You go to, you know, Nigeria or anywhere like where I'm from. I'll be at your house when I get there, 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll get there. Don't worry. You know, I'll get there though. You know, because like, because you're right. You're enjoying life. You know, it's like when I'm going there, I don't want to be in a rush. Like, I want to see the world. I want to be a part of what's happening. Right. If someone is in need of help, I want to be able to help. You know, and connect with them in that capacity. Right. There's no rush to being where I need to be. Um, the beauty is the journey, not the destination. Right. Yeah. And you so, know, Chip, that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> just uh, and, pe and people tell me oh you should have you're like it's in my blood like i just don't i'm not rushing i'm not going anywhere yeah i'm just yep. taking my time you know i'll get there yep. i've been late to you know when i was in college i was late to almost every class mm -hmm. almost every class i was late and people were like aren't you trying to get there i was like no <laughs> <laughs> not really <laughs> <laughs> I get there when I get there. I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to enjoy my life right now and not be not be too stressed out. I I that's why I thought I could never work a nine to five because I just yeah. I'd be fired because I just can't get there on time. I'd be trying. I try my best that's though. That's funny. That's funny. Um, I will say counter two counterpoints um to the the whole north south issue or or not not really issue but theory of you know theoretically more productive well i shouldn't even say that because that's not really the argument the argument is that um there's there's lower amounts of i guess timeliness in the south but also um you know in terms of like you don't often get a lot of people focusing on you know rules and and uh um and I guess there's a productivity level of it, um, but you're also looking at like city living in the north versus like more like country living in the south. Um, the one counter I would say to that in, in terms of productivity, at least, um, because these are countries that I know, you know, Germany and the U.S., you look at both of them and um, Germany's entire um economy is held together by bavaria which is the southern germany um which is kind of so that's kind of an interesting phenomenon um and then you look at the u.s and for a long time the south has has produced more than the north in in a lot of ways um you know places like new york city are definitely um productive in their own right but they they have a is it it's a different type of productivity right we it supports so many people. However, um, it's also a huge uh, draw of resources as well to support that many people. So it, there's a little bit more give and take, whereas in the South, you know, there's some, um, you know, there's the farms and, and a lot more um, productivity out of, you know, out of some of what they've got down there. So I don't know. Um, try to say things a little carefully <laughs> but I, I don't i don't necessarily um I, I think generalizations are are inherently problematic but it's something to kind of learn from i guess well, from that perspective it's simple the the well the that research was just more saying that people perceive time differently based on their location it doesn't affect their ability to work or their work ethic it's just we see time differently, right? Like mm -hmm. I tell I tell people, if I ran a company, 
I will do everything I can to make every every job role project based because I don't value how much time you put in to get the job done. I value that you got the job done. Right. Mm -hmm. So and for me, if I give you a project, and say, hey, this should be done within seven days and you finish it within three and I vetted it and everything looks perfect. You should then get those four days to yourself. You get four days for you because I've already allocated for you to be here for seven days to do it. But you've done it fast. So I'm not going to punish your efficiency. I'm going to reward your efficiency. Right. So therefore, boom, you got it done. If you take all seven days and you get it done. Great. But the thing is, you got it done. Right. So I value so, you getting it done more than anything. So question for you, Chip. Um, the next time you give me one of those projects, would you give me seven days for it? Which project? You you just said if if you get the project done in three days, I, you get the four days off. If if you then give me a project for or if you give me that same project again, would you give me three days or would you give me seven days? The second time. Um, I don't know if I would do it based on your ability or I would do it based on the, the industry expectations. So mm -hmm. I think for me. I would still do it based on industry expectations. Gotcha. So you'd still because, continue with like the seven day. Because... I, I think I would. Yeah. Because my, my, my goal is to, cause I value time. Right. And I don't want you to spend your time only working. Right. I want you to spend your time living life and enjoying life. Um, mm -hmm. I believe work, like the work you do should be to live. I don't think you should live to work. Yeah. So, so that's that's where I value that. So I guess that is that it. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because what I was what I was getting at is if if the answer was the opposite, where okay, I I do you give me seven days to do a job, I get it done in three. The next time you give me, you know, that same job or a similar job, um, if you give me three days, then. Or maybe you say, okay, yeah, he does it fast, but I'll still give him some wiggle room, you know, four days, you know, and then each time I do it, if I get it done in three days, you're going to end up giving me three days to do it and I'll get double the amount of stuff done because I'll, you know, then have another project after that. And in two, six or two, three day periods, I'll get done what somebody else is getting done in seven days, theoretically. But I also... I, I won't also be enjoying life anymore. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a, you know, and I think that sometimes how the, how the world works is, you know, how companies oftentimes proceed is, oh, they, you know, they learn from projects. Oh, okay. Well, that didn't take as long as we thought. And, you know, so they cut down, it's like the budget, you know, if you're ever given a budget, you have to use the whole budget. Um, Cause if you don't, use the whole budget then you're not getting as much the next time around yeah which is really sad <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah it's it's so counterproductive <laughs> it's like oh we save money we should use this for something else maybe no 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 we gotta <laughs> we gotta use it for own this thing so we can we don't lose we can ask for more money later right like, right yeah. well it's it's interesting too because from the company's perspective, you could look at that as, hey, we gave you this money to invest because again, we're all of all of the money that goes into a business is investment. 
So instead of investing it into your work, you decided to let it go and sit there and it actually lost whatever interest is or whatever um, the value the, uh, inflation is and the opportunity cost of the value that could be gained. So um, by not doing anything with that allocated money, you actually did cost the company. So you sure did. And now <clears throat> someone got fired. <laughs> so I don't know how we got into any of this discussion. Well, the, the question was, why can't we let our players be, Oh. Uh, be eighteen and play in a maybe in a secondary league where yeah. they can develop and make money. And the answer is we should be. And we've already had that secondary league, which is called college, right? Um, right. and they should have been paying these kids all along. So yeah, but the I I and I guess that's the problem is that they're even with the um, you you look at this, you look at the system that's in place. And they're still not actually getting paid. Yeah, they're, they have to negotiate their own stuff still. Where they right, should, right. And they're yeah. everything that they're getting, professional athletes get that and a paycheck. So I I don't think there's anything that in my mind, I think that college athletes should be paid a salary. I don't think that I know in the U.S. we have this whole like big thing around amateurs and nonsense, amateurs and pros and like, you know, they're just kids, but they're they're playing the sport, you know, and they are getting hurt and it's costing them the money that they would have been making in in a professional league. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they should be pretty, they should be paid. Um, now what is, what implications does that have for their, um, their education and things like that? I don't, I don't know. There's other considerations there. Maybe, maybe they are being paid by their scholarships, right? Um, well, so. the education has been piss poor anyway. And the reason I say is because of this, when I look at the NFL, NBA, um, specifically, why is that most of the players who graduate or not graduate, but who go to the league, they they play, they make a lot of money and they come out. Most of them go broke. Right. Right. Because they, they haven't like, been educated on how to actually use the money and theoretically have been, um, you know, kind of pushed through the the uh, college system a, as quickly. So they only get a few years. And then B, um, as efficient as efficiently, you know, aka not focusing on as on the actual education as possible. So, like, it, you know, I mean, you look, I don't know, it's hard because you get so much, you know, you get so much from TV and movies and things like that that give you this idea in your head that you know everybody's kind of cheating their way through college type of thing and i i know a lot of that happens but um you got to think that a lot of a lot of the schools do favor the athletes and make it easier for them to pass classes that other students that aren't athletes wouldn't necessarily get i mean it makes sense i mean 
I'd make sure every teacher that teaches any of my my college kids aren't tenured. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a fire you if you don't listen to what I tell you to do. Hey, you see, uh, Devon over there, he's got a big game coming up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Devon pays your salary, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm gonna need you to go ahead and uh, give Devon that that passing grade so he can play. You know, but I also think so. I I agree with you on that. But also, I looked at it. Not one school. Actually, no. Let me, let me take that back because I haven't looked at every single school. But of the schools that I've looked at. None of them are none of them are mandating financial literacy courses. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I haven't looked into anything like that, but that's that's interesting because that is definitely one of those things that God these these uh players absolutely need. Um you know, and to that point I needed in school. Yeah. Right. Right. Um I went to a pretty good high school. Um one of the better ones in the region. And I got to choose senior year. I, I, I had to choose between AP micro macro, which again, everything here is like, I I'm highly privileged in this discussion. Okay. Of course. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I had a, I had a good (laughs) education. Right. Um, But I, I, I found it so silly because I was having to choose between AP micro macro that would be really good for helping me in college, you know, getting me like additional um, classes in college and actual personal finance. And that was the first time that personal finance was ever offered. And that, (laughs) that to me is ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that I, and it was a, I went to a private school. So, you know, some of that was, um, you know, maybe the public schools actually mandate some of that earlier on, but I doubt it. And I don't know. I I feel like personal finance and, you know, financial literacy is important, you know, and should be offered sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school. You know, those should be pretty core courses in in high school before we even get to college freshman year even i mean yeah, yeah. for those I mean, of you who are wondering i also, i also went to private school <laughs> <laughs> jeez chip really making me You're feel like, bad you know? look I, I went to pri- i went to i i had my taste of all the different types of schools private public um my magnet school i had my taste of all of them so i i've been also very privileged and blessed myself yeah, I had yeah. my private school is better than your private school, by the way. <laughs> Them's fighting words. I, I I don't know that that's true. And it is now six o'clock my time. So and we're two hours different. So we are two hours and 15 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> I guess we can cut out this last part. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> That's true. All, all right. right, let's let's go to end this thing. So, got th- all right, thank you everybody for joining us. Next week we're talking week seven and week eight. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. That's our weekly podcast, y'all. Don't forget choose happiness and spread love. Give them hell.